said a moment ago. Don't just say it, but do it. We worship you. Come on, we praise you. I'm here to give you glory, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. I give honor tonight to the wonderful leadership of this church. I'd be a fool to stand in such a wonderful man's pulpit uh, and, and not say this. I, I am extinctly, uh, distinctly honored uh, that he would allow me to stand in his pulpit, even in his absence. You don't know how much that man loves this church and how much he loves you. And so I take it as a high honor that he would trust me uh, to stand in this pulpit. So I honor him tonight. And I told him uh, last night, he said, y'all have church. And I just told him, all gas. All right. Praise God. And so I've got to keep my end of the promise. Now, listen, I know how this goes. I've been doing this a long time. And what typically tends to happen is with the, the mouse or the cat's away, the mice will play. You ever heard that? Uh, the pastor's gone, and we'll just kind of put it in cruise control. But I think that this church is smart enough and mature enough to know that if Bishop was here, he'd say, have Holy Ghost Church. And even if he's not here, he's going to say, have Holy Ghost Church. Amen. I believe that God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight. God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost for the... He can refill you. He can restore you. He can help you. He can change you. Amen. That's just what God does. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now, there was a certain man of Mathiam Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. When the time was that O'Connor offered, he gave to Benina his wife and to all of her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Now I'm going to attempt, attempt to preach this all in one service without preaching longer than 45 minutes. And um, we're just going to preach through it as far as we can get and just see what happens. I want to talk to us tonight about the journey. Look at somebody and tell them the journey. But let's pray together. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. Give you thanks. God, you're so good. You're worthy. Oh, God, we need you right now. We need you to help us. We, we need you to change us, God. Let your word come in this house. Let it anoint us, God, and let it take us to a new dimension in you. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to move us from point A to point B on this journey tonight. Get us where you want us to be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time and give God praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody with a voice of thanksgiving. Somebody with a voice of praise. 
Somebody that's thankful to be in the house of God. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him. Come on, I know it's Tuesday night and it's cold outside, but somebody ought to give God a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, there's something important that we have to point out here uh, so that we, there are two things really that are important. One of them we will for sure get to. Hopefully we get to the other one. The first thing is that Hannah, the woman that we are talking about tonight, is not the first person in Scripture that, uh, that is listed as barren. She's not the first person. Uh, but we can do very quickly, we can research and we can find that it is Sarah, Rachel, Rebecca, then, or I got that backwards, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and then Hannah. Hannah is the fourth woman. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's one other woman that her name is not listed in Scripture prior to Hannah that is barren, and so she is the fourth named woman that is in Scripture uh, that is listed as barren. Secondly, uh, as the story begins to unfold, the Bible uh, takes a few moments to be very uh, blunt about the fact that the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, are there when she goes up to worship at the temple. Now, this woman, Hannah, is married to a man by the name of Elkanah. And what we can find in Scripture and in study is that he is a man of power. He is a man of great stature. And because he is a man of great stature, it only makes sense that uh, in, this, in this setting, it's a cultural thing of this time, that he should have many children. Now, the Bible says in Psalms 127, it's not just a cultural thing, but it's a Bible thing that children are an inheritance from the Lord. And as we begin to read through Scripture, we find that this man is married to two women. Now, why he did that, I have no clue. God bless his heart. Moving right along. But he is married to Penina, and he is married to Hannah. And the Bible says that Penina has children, but Hannah has no children. The Bible also says that Penina would torment Hannah because she had no children. She would promote herself because she was productive. But what Penina did not understand is that while Elkanah came to her for children, he went to Hannah for company. And while Penina was productive, Hannah was preferred because the Bible says that Elkanah loved Hannah. Let me just park here for a moment and tell somebody that feels like you're not fulfilling everything that you should be fulfilling. You don't feel like you're productive in the kingdom of God. Can I tell you that even if you're not productive, you're still preferred. And even if you feel like tonight that you are not doing everything that you seemingly should be doing, the favor of God is still on your life. The promises of God are still on your life. And I'm just going to preach for myself for a moment and tell you 
I'd rather have God's favor than all the production that the world can give me. I would rather be favored than God, favored by God than have the biggest house, to have the nicest car, to have the most money. Just give me the favor of God because favor will follow you where the production cannot follow you. Your talent will get you a long way, but your talent can't get you farther than the favor of God. You're, you're everything that you've got going for you. I know you're smart, and I know you've got a lot of money. I, I know we up here in the Northwest, everybody's rich in the Northwest, but I'm just going to tell you, favor will take you where money cannot take you. Just give me the favor of God. I want the blessings of God on my life. I, I want to be the head and not the tail. Above and not, come on, somebody help me preach right now. Somebody that's been fighting hell and the devil's been trying to convince you that you're nothing to the church. You need to go home tonight, look the devil in the eye and say, I'm still preferred. I'm still favored. I still got the hand of God on my life. I'm still anointed. No, everybody might not know who I am, but God knows who I am. My name might not be in lights, but God knows who I am. I might not have the cattle on a thousand hills, but my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he favored me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said that you were a chosen generation. That's hand-picked. That's favored. And I can hear the voice of Penina here tonight telling someone, look at you. You've never accomplished anything for God. Yeah, devil, you're right. I've made some mistakes, but I'm still preferred. You're not going to make a difference in the world. Listen to me. You don't have to make a difference in the world. You just have to make a difference in your world. You, you don't have to travel the world to make a difference. You can make a difference just showing up at work and telling somebody about Jesus, how he picked you up and turned you around and set your feet on a solid rock. That's, that's the preference. That's the favor of God that is working with you. What Penina didn't realize is that there was something inside of Hannah that refused to sit down and quit traveling. She understood that she was on a journey. She was on a journey from a place of brokenness and barrenness to a place of blessing. And what Penina didn't realize is that Hannah was just happy going to church and being connected to Eli. I've come to preach to somebody tonight. Just keep doing what makes God happy. Don't worry about what people say about you. Don't worry about how they throw insults. And listen, the truth of the matter is, the closer you get to your miracle, the more haters you're going to have attached themselves to you. But somebody needs to make up in their mind uh, on a Tuesday night, I'm not going to let my haters stop me uh, from having hope uh, in the fact that I'm on a journey. Uh, I'm going somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be broken forever. Uh, I'm on my way to blessing. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
The bigger your vision is, the more enemies you're going to have to face. And the devil would love to convince some people here tonight that because you're facing so many enemies, that must mean that the favor of God is left you. But I've come to preach to you that the reason you're facing so many enemies, the reason that Penina is sitting on your shoulder and trying to tell you that you need to give up on your miracle and give up on the blessing is because Penina sees that there is destiny inside of you that's getting ready to be birthed on a Tuesday night. You came to church broken and barren, but I've came with a word to tell somebody you're walking out whole. You're walking out blessed. You're walking out with a promise that about the time of life... Come I wish somebody hear what I'm saying right now. It won't always be like this. You won't always have to fight this depression. You're not always going to have to fight what you're going through right now. Don't you let Penina stop you from getting the thing that God has for you. We got a saying in the South that says, what God has for me, it is for me. And I've come to tell somebody tonight, he's got blessing. He's got favor. He's got a new dimension for you to walk in if you don't listen to Penina. Hallelujah. And this, I I know it's Tuesday night, but can I preach tonight? Y'all got time? This is what makes this story so ironic to me is the fact I mentioned just a few moments ago is that Hannah is not the first person to deal with this. We... Oh, help me, Jesus. I don't want to make nobody mad, but it's the truth anyway. Is when we go through things, we tend to believe that we're the only ones that's ever been through it. We have learned, Brother Marks, how to build a pity party that is centered around nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows the trouble I seem. Nobody knows how bad I got it. I hate to bust your bubble, but you're not the first person that's ever been through this. You probably won't be the last either. You're not the first person that's ever had a sleepless night. You're not the first person that the devil's attacked their family. You're not the first person that's ever had to go through marital struggles. You're not the first person that their kids started acting crazy. Hannah deals with this, though. This is what makes her so significant. Hannah deals with this differently than everybody else. When Sarah was barren, you read your Bible and you'll find that she decided that if I can't have the promise through my own womb, I'll try to connect to somebody else and I'll try to have the promise through their womb. Rachel, the same thing happens. She is barren and she gets her handmaiden involved, but not Hannah. Hannah does not get anybody else connected to her involved in what God is trying to do through her. Sarah understands, they understand the, the cultural implications of this day. To, to be barren was to suggest that you were a harlot before you got married. To be barren was the signification. And you can go and study the law and study the, the beliefs of the Jews and they will tell you that if you were barren, it's because they believed that you were impure and you were immoral and you were, you were just always running around. And so this was the judgment of God that was coming upon you for your immorality. And so Sarah begins 
begins to cave under the pressure of her day and she goes and she tries to have the promise through somebody else's womb. But let me just stop right here and preach to somebody and tell you that if you keep trying to have the promise through somebody else's womb, when the promise is born, it's not going to have your DNA. It's not going to walk like you. It's not going to talk like you. It's not going to worship like you. You God's trying to give you a revival that looks like you. And because you've been through a broken season and you're on that journey, you're sitting there pouting about what God hasn't done, not understanding when the promise finally gets here, it's going to be joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. You want it to look like you? Then walk through this journey. Keep on having faith in God. You want the blessing to have your DNA? Then keep on believing God when nobody else will believe God. Keep on reaching for revival when everybody else gives up and throws in the towel. Keep on singing the songs of Zion when nobody else is willing to sing. And when you have the promise, it's going to look like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't understand why my new convert that I've been teaching Bible studies don't want to show up to church because you've been trying to pass them off on somebody else. And you, oh, help me, Jesus. I'm about to make somebody mad. You invited them, but then you want somebody else to teach them a Bible study because you are bought into the lie that Penina has fed you that you can't be productive. I don't care what the devil told you. You can teach a Bible study. You can win a soul. You can have revival. You can reach your coworkers. You can't. You can't reach your lost family. I, I don't care what Penina said. God has a miracle, and it looks like you. Hallelujah. And that's what Hannah, Rachel does the same thing. Rachel tries to have the promise through somebody else's womb. But, but and I don't have time to preach that. I'm just going to flow through this. But, but that, that's what makes Hannah so unique because when Hannah, Hannah, is standing at the altar. People are making fun of her. People are laughing at her. Uh, her, her own, uh, the, the woman that lives in her own house is constantly throwing insults at her. But Hannah just keeps going to church. See, there, there's power in this. Lord, help me, Jesus. There's power in just showing up. Hannah been talked about. Hannah been run through the mud. Hannah knows when she gets to church that they're going to look at. Can you imagine how embarrassing it was for Hannah every year when she came to church and she knew that when she walked down the aisle with a lamb on her side that people were going to laugh and people were going to snicker and people were going to try to talk about her like she was a dirty dog because, again, according to the cultural implications of the day, she was immoral before marriage and this is the judgment of God, but she does not allow what people say and what people think keep her from going to the house of the Lord. Hannah kept going to church. They talked about her, and Hannah kept going to prayer meeting. They said they made fun of her, and Hannah kept standing up and saying amen. They laughed at her, and Hannah kept running the aisles. They said she'll never be anything, and Hannah kept walking to the altar and saying, I I will not let Penina de 
dictate my worship. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey to the blessing that God has for me. I'm on a journey to walk in liberty and victory. I'm, I know I look barren right now, but baby, just catch me in a couple years, and you're not going to be able to believe what God has done in my life. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep believing God. Hannah, don't you wish that you could have what I have? Hannah, just keeps on going. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to help somebody right now if you'll let me. Hannah never stopped doing what she knew to do. But that did not stop Hannah from dealing with emotions. See, the devil would love to convince you that because you've been dealing with grievances and bitterness and afflictions, that, that you're lost and that you've lost the promise. But in just about 13 verses, the Bible tells us that Hannah was hungry, that she didn't eat, that she was bitter, that she grieved, that she was afflicted. 13 verses, she walks through hell. And Hannah just keeps going to church. 13 verses, and they're talking about her. They're provoking her, but that doesn't stop her from praising 13 verses, the Bible says that she wept, but that didn't stop her from worshiping. 13 verses of sorrow, but that didn't stop her from shouting. She just didn't quit doing what she knew to do. I'm telling you, it may seem like you're going through the motions, and the devil would love to convince you that you're, just, you're not making a difference, but Hannah just keeps showing up and doing what she knows to do is right. It's getting her one day closer to the man of God stepping to the edge of the pulpit and saying, you're about to have a miracle. Things are about to turn around for you. Uh, you... You've been standing at the crossroads and wondering, do I need to keep shouting? Keep on shouting. Keep on dancing. Keep on believing. Keep on running. Keep on keeping on. And know that God is working it out. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm submitted to the good elders of this church tonight. If you disagree with me, Bishop's not here. So if I get out of line, y'all just get me after church. But I've been in this long enough to know that there's a lot of people that never make it out of the barren season because they're not in a relationship with God. They're in a relationship with God's stuff. And you can always tell how they're going to shout by how much stuff they got. I can dance as long as I got joy. I can shout as long as I've got children. But the moment that I enter in to a barren season, all of a sudden my shout dries up and my dance dries up. You know what you need to do? You need to grow up. Woo, that's good preaching right there, whether you like it or not. You need to grow up and understand that I am not in this for the stuff. If you're in this for the stuff, you're never going to make it. If you're in it for the stuff, you, yeah, you're right. You'll be able to come to church on Sunday night and shout, and you'll be backslid by Wednesday night. But if somebody could get like Hannah and say, I'm not about the stuff. I'm here to worship. I'm here to magnify the name of the Lord. If you never bless 
bless me, I'm still going to bless you. If you never deliver me, I'm still going to dance. If you never heal me, I'm still going to give you my hallelujah. Because I know if I live for him, for him, I don't have to live for his stuff. I can live for God, for God. Let me show you what happens when people learn how to live for God without the stuff. This exact scenario has played out in Rachel's life and in Sarah's life. And when the moment finally comes that the journey comes to an end and Sarah has a child, Brother Mark, she only has one baby. When the journey comes to an end and Rachel has children, she only has two. But when we read about Hannah, who doesn't let what people say affect her, who never stops worshiping, who never stops believing God, who just keeps on coming to church. We know of at least five other children that she has besides Samuel because she just kept believing God. See, let me just tell you something. You might not be the first person to ever go through this, but what you ought to do is make up in your mind, I'm going to be the first person to go through it with a dance in my feet and a shout in my voice. And let me tell you what happens when you go through it like nobody else has ever been through it. When you make up in your mind to walk through it with your head up and your shoulders rolled back, when you get to the end of the journey, you're going to get a blessing like nobody else has ever got before. Hannah, you going to get double the amount of what anybody else has ever got because you learned how to come to church and worship when you couldn't feel God, when you couldn't see the stuff, when you couldn't see the blessing. You just kept coming and you kept blessing the name of the Lord. I don't, listen to me, I'm thankful for every blessing. And I believe it's the will of God that you are a blessed people. My, my Bible says that it's the will of God. My Bible says that I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It's the will of God for you to be blessed financially and with health and in your family. But if you can figure out how to live for God without all that, I'm telling you when God finally opens up the windows of heaven, that's why he said I'll pour you out a blessing that you will not be able to contain because I found somebody that didn't have a whole lot but they kept on coming and they kept on giving and they kept on believing. Come on, I'm trying to preach somebody out of a rut right now that's just thinking that you're going through the motions. You're not just going through the motions when you worship. You're letting God know, I don't need the stuff. I don't need the stuff. I'll just keep praising the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Musicians, come. I'm not far from closing. But remember, I'm entitled to three. This is my first. And Hannah, Hannah, little old Hannah, little woman that nobody cares about, that's on a journey, walking through the shame and the disgrace of the cultural implications of her day. Literally, Brother Earls, changes the entire outline of the rest of the Bible. So, how do you know that? Because she has a son. And his name is Samuel. And Samuel grows up. And Samuel becomes a prophet. And Samuel anoints the first king of Israel. And he's a bonehead. He makes mistakes. 
And he does all kinds of stuff that God don't want him doing. And then the Bible says that the word of the Lord comes to that same Samuel, the son of Hannah, and says, I want you to go down to Jesse's house. And I want you to anoint the next king of Israel and watch the life of Hannah play out right before Samuel's face. He walks in. He says, Jesse, where is your sons? And Jesse lines them all up and he looks at Eliab and he says, surely he's the king. He's strong and he's tall and he looks like a king's supposed to look. He's productive. But God speaks to him and says, man looks on the outside. But I'm looking on the inside. You know what God was saying? I know he looks productive, but he ain't preferred. I know, I know he looks like he's got it all together, but he's not preferred. And Samuel don't have to pray about another boy that's standing beside him. He walks past the rest of the brethren. And he looks at Jesse and says, don't you have another one? And he says, yeah, I've got one more, but he's ruddy. He ain't worth much. He's just kind of short and stocky. About all he's worth is sending out to a pastor and watching sheep. And the prophet Samuel said, bring him to me. When he got there, he didn't even sit down because he understood that God was looking for something that might not be productive right now but it was preferred and when he saw David he put up that ram's horn of all and dumped the oil out on his head because he found somebody he wasn't like Penina he wasn't full of production but God seen a little boy that was barren that was broken and he said I'm going to use him and I'm going to put him on a journey and I know I'm fixing to mess up a whole lot of preachers preaching for you but just let me tell you what I believe when the Bible flips the channel and we go here we're going down road years 1 Samuel chapter 18 we see that there's this moment that the Bible little David's all grown up And the Bible says that he is in the king's court. And the king's daughter looks at him, Michael. And the Bible says that she loved David. Now you go a couple chapters later and the Bible says that she hates David. And we always preach that because he was shouting and dancing in the streets. That's not what I believe. Again, I told you, I'm I'm about to give you a left hook. You ain't ever seen this coming. I don't believe she didn't like David's worship. Say, why not? Because she knew David was a worshiper when she married him. This isn't the first time David's ever been shouting. When she saw him the first time, she was driving out evil spirits. Well, let me just tell you something, honey. You don't drive evil spirits out with old time rock and roll. You drive them out with songs of worship. She saw him in the very first moment and she saw him as a worshiper. And now she hates David and and we preach it and there is some validity to it but let me give you the full story. She's looking down at her window and when David comes upstairs and he hears the dishes rattling that certain way in the the sink and he understands that sister, sister David's upset. Michael ain't happy at what's going on. You know what her response to him was? Oh, how glorious. Not how glorious was the king that danced. Not how glorious was the king that shouted. She said, oh, how glorious was the king who uncovered himself. 
Watch. David, where's your robe? David, where's your crown? Where's your stuff? See, Michael was a bride that wouldn't dance because she needed the stuff to get happy. And the moment she disconnected herself from David was not because of his dancing, but it was because David disconnected himself from everything that identified him as a king, everything that identified him as somebody that was productive. And you know what David said to her. He said, honey, it wasn't before you I was dancing. He said, but it was before the God that chose me, before he chose your daddy. He was saying, honey, let me tell you something. I remember what it was like to not have any money in my banking account. I remember what it was like to be living on the streets. I remember what it was like for nobody to think anything about me. And God chose me. David was saying, I don't need the stuff to shout. I don't need the stuff to give God glory. I don't need the stuff to magnify his name. David, the Bible says in that moment that Michael was barren. From that day forward, it's the exact, it's revival in reverse. It's the exact opposite story of Hannah. Hannah is barren, and she figures out that I'm on a journey towards blessing. But this little woman named Michael is sitting in the king's palace. She's got everything she could want. A little does she know she's on a journey towards barrenness because her relationship with God is wrapped up in the stuff. It's wrapped up in the joy and the peace. Am I by myself tonight or is there anybody else here that's ever lived for God and had to fight depression? Anybody else here Ever looked at your bank or look at the banking app and scared to open it because you don't know if it's black or it's red? I don't know about you, but I've lived for God through some times where I felt like God didn't even know I existed. And it's in those times that I've learned how to come to church. I feel like I'm barren. But I'm on a journey towards blessing. I'm hurting, but I'm on a journey towards hope. I feel like I've lost it all, but I'm on my journey to gaining it all. You know how hard it had to be to make that walk down the aisle, knowing what people were saying. Know how hard it had to be to come to church with nothing to shout about and the preacher say, somebody stand up and give God a testimony. Hannah, all she could think to do was just stand up and say, well, I'm just glad to be here. I'm barren. I'm broken. My world's in shambles. But I'm just glad to be at church. They started singing their songs Songs of worship. The Bible says one of the most beautiful things. It says that Elkanah gave Hannah 
a worthy portion. Now this is that part, I'm, this is my second closing. This is that part where Eli, sons, Hophni and Phinehas are important. God gives her a promise. This is where God's gonna, che- uh, gonna check your spirit. This is where God's gonna test you. God gives her a promise of a son and says, if, and she says, God, if you do, I'm gonna give him right back to you. I'm gonna bring him to the house of God. Remember, Hophni and Phinehas were there. And I struggled with that for years. I was like, why, why did the Bible even say that they were there? They're knuckleheads. They're, I mean, they're, they're some no goods. Simply because, I believe, I was reading this one day and God gave me revelation. I was reading this and I realized that these are the sons of Eli. Eli has failed as a father. He's dropped the ball. He's raised perverted sons. Don't you think for a minute that you can go and study about Hophni and Phinehas and find out what their perversion was, what their immorality was, what they were doing in the kingdom. And with the cultural implications of that day, don't you think that they probably made a pass at Hannah every now and again? Because she's barren and that means to them that she was immoral. So why not connect her to what we're doing? I wonder, this is just me wondering, I wonder if Hannah was ever tempted to be brought in to that game. But God gives Hannah a son and she takes him back and she puts him in the care of Eli who has raised two sons out of knuckleheads. See where this is going? Hannah has a choice to make. What am I going to do with the blessing that God's given me while I'm on this journey? She had every right to try to hold him and protect him because she knew Eli had failed. But she understood, I'm not giving him to Eli. I'm giving him to God. And Eli might have failed as a father raising his only children that he had. But I'm going to put him in the service of the house of God. And some way, I know Eli failed with them, but somehow... Eli's not going to fail with my boy because I'm not giving him to Eli. He belongs to God. The question tonight as we're standing all over this house is these people that are here, that are hurting, that are wounded, that are barren, that are living lives, that you're trying to figure out how do I go to church and worship when I'm dealing with all this stuff that's in my life. I'm depressed. I'm hurting. I'm going through a hell. Preacher, can't you help me? I'm trying to help you right now. And I'm trying to tell you that your help is not going to come from shaking a preacher's hand and going and getting a counseling session. And I believe in all of that. But what your help's going to come from is while you're in that barren season making up in your mind God everything I have belongs to you and if you bless me I'm going to bless you right back it doesn't matter what Eli did I'm not giving him to Eli I'm giving him to you come on there's got to be somebody that'll step out on the aisle and make their way to the front on a Tuesday night that decides God whatever you decide to do I don't need the stuff to worship I don't need the stuff to bless your name I don't need the stuff to lift my hands I don't need the stuff to say, I love you, Jesus. You're God, and that's enough. I've come to worship you. Come on, somebody lift your voice. God, here I am. Here I am in my barrenness. Here I am in my brokenness. But I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. 
I'm on a journey towards the blessing of God. I'm on a journey to a place where revival is all around me. I'm on a journey to the place where it, it's exceeding. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. Come on, you might be living in Egypt right now, but you're going to a place of excessive blessing if you can figure out how to worship without the stuff. Come on, they're going to sing. Lift your hands, lift your voice. God, here I am with my hands up high. I've come to worship you. I've come to magnify you. If you never bless me, if you never touch me, I'm still going to praise you. If you never do another miracle for me, I'm still going to bless your name. If you never heal my body, I'm still going to believe that you're a healer. God, I still Come on, God's worthy. If you got the stuff or you don't have the stuff. Somebody that's walking through barrenness, you need to hear me right now. You're in a trash spell. You can't even feel God. Come on, it's time to worship. Even though you can't feel 